This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 9th of December and it's episode 200 of the Coronacast. So when we hit the 100th episode, we both sat back and went, oh my gosh, and we never thought we'd get to 100 and here we are at 200. I know. That's, and it just feels like 200 years, not 200 <laughs> weekdays. Well, it feels like a salient day to answer this question from Dean, who says, what do you think is the most important thing we've learnt about COVID-19 in the last year? And if we had our time over again... What would we do differently? Well, let's do something different. You answer that first, Tegan. You know what? I think at an individual level, we would have been more mentally prepared for the challenges of this year, the personal challenges of this year. But from an infection control perspective, especially in Australia, uh, hotel quarantine outbreaks notwithstanding, I really do think that we have done an incredible job of keeping levels of the virus incredibly low in Australia when we see overseas what could have been here in Australia if we hadn't taken that really hard stance from the beginning. So here's what I think we would do differently. So the first thing I'll start is internationally, and this is a wish list. I wish that we had had a more cooperative world when the virus hit. If we'd had a more cooperative world, you know, and this is just wishful thinking, but if we had a cooperative world without you know, authoritarian, fragile leaders in China, Russia and the United States, this would be a very different pandemic. Um, In fact, it may never have even escaped from China because they would have dealt with it transparently and they would have controlled it and they would have told people about it and they would have told people about it in December and they would have brought in international help into the Wuhan market and checked where it had come from and the world would have pulled together on China's behalf and helped China out. But we, it came into an environment where nations were operating by themselves and it was every state for themselves and that's the sets the ground for the pandemic so do differently do international relations differently the biology of a pandemic organism is almost the least important part of that organism of the pandemic lots of different organisms can cause pandemics it's human behavior that causes a pandemic it's the way we live the way we act the way politics works the way international travel works that's what creates a pandemic What we would do differently is have a world that's more pandemic aware and aware of their behaviour and aware of the broader implications beyond the the personal. That's what I would do differently on an international level. The wild thing about that is that if we had done that, we never would have known what scale of crisis we would have averted. But we do know that this isn't going to be the last pandemic pathogen that ever we ever encounter. And so we need to take these lessons going forward so that the next pandemic is a fizzer like this one should have been. And I come back to something we said on Coronacast probably in March in March or April, near the beginning, when prevention works, nothing happens. And so the most important thing we've learnt, we should have learnt is, or if you went back in time, is that the general community knows that when you actually have prevention working, nothing happens. So that's a lesson for everything. And we're facing a catastrophe with climate change, but it's a slow-moving catastrophe. And if we actually act on climate change, not very much will happen. And that's what you actually want to happen. So people talk about, well, Paul Ehrlich, 
in the 70s, 60s and 70s, all these doomsayers about population and so on, they were all wrong because nothing happened. Well, nothing happened because people did stuff about that sort of thing. And nothing, of course, nothing happened. So what we've got to learn from this is successful prevention is dull and boring because nothing happens. There's no drama. If you're addicted to catastrophe and drama and the Hollywood movie, we're going to repeat this again and again and again. What about globally, though, Norman? Like, so, okay, the, the pathogen has escaped. We're in the situation that we were in maybe in March or April this year. What steps could we have taken at a global level to stop it from getting to the scale that we're at now? Well, we knew what, how bad it was going to be round about the end of January. So, I mean, so much so that we closed borders to China very, you know, round about then. And so we were aware that this was going to turn into a bad thing. So you didn't have to wait till March or April. There should have been international cooperation to close borders to Iran. Uh, we, we kind of did that. We didn't do it to the United States. We didn't do it to some other countries which had high prevalence. Britain should have closed borders and they wouldn't have the trouble that they've got now. WHO needs to learn a lot from this pandemic because they're just wrong about stuff. They're wrong about masks. They're wrong about aerosols. They're wrong about lockdown. WHO needs to take a good hard look at itself because they have not instituted the right sort of program here to control a pandemic. And that's what's very important for low to middle income countries because they need to follow the World Health Organization. We obviously want to learn lessons from this year, but for all of the mistakes that have been made, there have been incredible leaps forward in science done this year and in cooperation. And the fact that we have vaccines being rolled out in some countries in the world now, less than a year since the start of the pandemic, is an incredible feat. Yes, and so you hear a question mark in my voice. Mm. It's not been a feat of cooperation, in my view, in terms of vaccines. There's been vaccine nationalism. People have been going hard at it themselves. They've been rather protective. Yes, they've agreed through COVAX to share the vaccines. It took some countries like Australia a while to actually contribute significantly to that. But there's been a good degree of nationalism. So the Chinese and the Russians are not cooperating with others. Yeah, you know, the Chinese are using it for politics and the Russians may well have quite a good vaccine, but for political reasons, the West won't trust it because it's not had a proper randomised controlled trial. And similarly, there are doubts over the, the Chinese vaccine manufacturers have got a checkered, checkered history here. So, yes, we should be returning to science transparency. And what you have seen is... True, you know, vaccine companies know that they can't do this alone and they've welcomed the success of other vaccine companies because there's plenty to go around. But um, more cooperation would have been a good thing and we need to institute in the future. Okay, so Dean asked us what we'd do differently and it sounds like you have quite a long list of things we would do differently. What's one thing that you think we've done well this year? Australia shut its borders early. We also shut state borders and I think in the end that was a good thing. We went to lockdown relatively fast, a little bit slow, but fast enough. And we've done the right thing. We've done the textbook actions. And as I've said many times on Coronacast, there's not a single textbook of public health or infectious diseases that's going to have to be rewritten because of this novel coronavirus. That's why we've been able to predict things on Coronacast. It's just that it's textbook. This is what happens in textbooks and this is what occurs. And albeit a little belatedly, that's what we've been able to do in Australia. Unfortunately, Victoria dropped the ball. They didn't have the public health infrastructure in place. They didn't have it in 2009, and they certainly didn't have it this year. They didn't use the first wave lockdown to get themselves organised, but eventually they did and got it back under control. So I think that what we've learned here is that you need 
public health infrastructure, which doesn't do stuff for people and renew their hips or, or knees or do fancy stuff in hospitals. It's hardworking people who work in the community, understand the health of the community and are ready to control it. And for many years, they might have not very much to do, but we've got to keep that infrastructure there. We can put them on other stuff, such as chronic disease and prevention and all sorts of things, but they're ready for action when an infectious disease hits. And that's what other states have done in Australia. And we should maintain that and value it and not lose our memory of that as the years go by before the next big pandemic hits. Because it could be in two years' time and a big flu pandemic hits. Hope not, but it could be. I hope not. Well, let's talk a bit about what's happening here in Australia at the moment, because, again, we've said this a few times over the last few weeks, it feels like we're getting to a, a nice place again. We are. South Australia is relaxing its restrictions, even though it's still got a couple of hundred people still in quarantine, and people from Victoria and New South Wales can finally go and see family in WA. But most importantly, Norman, you're going to be able to go to Rotnest and see those quokkas. I will. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be marvellous. And it's, it's fantastic. I mean, we... Whilst I've you know, got notorious coverage for my casting off at Western Australians, which I'm allowed to do because I kind of lived there for a while, is the fact that we all are Australians in one country and we pull together in kind of the same way and we've cared about each other and now we're able to see each other and families can be reunited. It's been a really tough year for a lot of people, a lot of people listening to Coronacast. They've done it really tough. And because they've done it tough, we're in the state we're in. It's, I think it was Kamalini Lokuge from um, the ANU who said, governments don't call, control pandemics, communities do. And she's absolutely right. And the Australian community has pulled together. And that's why we've done what we've done. And it's not so much what we would do different. It's what we need to maintain. We need to maintain in Australia that strong sense of community. America is paying the price of rugged individualism. Works for them in a lot of different areas. It's a great country in many ways. But when something like this happens, that rugged individualism fails people. And we should just appreciate but what makes us Australian. And what makes us Australian is a sense of our nation and a sense of togetherness. So plenty to learn, but also plenty to pat ourselves on the back about, I guess. Uh, and if you listeners have ideas about what we should have done differently this year, let us know. Go to abc.net.au slash coronacast, click ask your questions and mention coronacast in your, in your comments so that we can find it. And we'll see you tomorrow where I think we'll have another special guest. Ooh, can't wait. See you then. 